Talo Falava, you're with The House, and I'm Johnny Blades. If you're thinking of becoming a Member of Parliament, there are a few things that can help you prepare, and they include serving the community, according to Alpito William Seal. The long-time Labour MP for Mangere is leaving Parliament. After 16 years in this place, he knows how the system works as well as anyone, and sat down with me to reflect on his career in Parliament. I came in during the time of the Helen Clark government, so I spent about six or seven months as a backbencher observing what they were doing in government. And as they exited, I then spent nine years in opposition, Um, probably the best time of learning, although at at times you felt like, what am I doing here (laughs) in opposition? And then, and then having spent five years as a minister, as the Minister for Pacific Peoples in 2017, and then um, honing in on what I wanted to be able to do for Pacific communities across a number of portfolios, I, I just think that was the absolute privilege. When you first came into Parliament, there weren't that many... Pacifica MPs, uh, really just a few up to then. I'm thinking of, you know, Taito, Philip Field, Arthur and I. Now it's at its highest level yet. That's right. So when I came in, Taito Philip Field was in here, Arthur and I. Then we, Mark Goshi, came in. He became the first Minister of Pacific uh, Heritage. Then Winnie, Dame Winnie, Lua Manuel Winnie Laban came in. She was the first... Pacific woman, and then Charles Chabal came in, first Tahitian. And I used to work with these guys, and so when I came in, I says, well, I'm the first youngest and, and handsomest of the lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I had the opportunity of learning from all of them and more particularly working closely with Mark Goshi and Lumanwao Dame Winnie Laban as they were exiting and as I was coming in. And what's it like coming into a, a very palangi structure, this Westminster system, as a Pacific person? You know, there must be hurdles in, in various ways that others don't probably even start yeah. to think about. Yeah. There's a lot that the public don't know about. And even though I had the experience of being in local government, it's still a strange beast. Um, it's a fiefdom of its own. Um, and absolutely, you do have to learn quite a lot when you come in here. It's not a place that is receptive or inviting of other cultures, and particularly so when you look at the history of the system that you have. I mean, I can remember when I came in, uh, it was the speaker, Margaret Wilson. Um, When I asked I'd like to be sworn in in Samoan, she accommodated. Perfect. I swore in as an MP 1st of April 2008 in both English and Samoan. Those are the languages that I use. I was particularly proud to say it in Samoan because of my father and the community that I represent. But following uh, the defeat of the Labour government, it was a bit of a challenge with the National Party when they came in. I remember having a bit of a fight with the speaker and the whips during that time, and I persisted. I was allowed, although they gave me the excuse of, look, it would take too long if you would give everybody the opportunity to do two languages. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Didn't want to set a precedent. <laughs> no. Yeah. But strangely enough, I think the the class of 2020 where we saw so many MPs come, not just Pacific but Māori and also uh, the ethnic communities, all of them speaking their own language and all of them got the opportunity to do that. But you're absolutely right, from small beginnings... Uh, we always believed in South Auckland that once the door was open to having the first Pacific MP, that others would follow, and that's the case that we have today. Yeah, and, and one or two Pacific MPs in this current term have mentioned you as being a bit of a mentor to them. Is that something you've sought to do to help others coming through? Culturally, you know, as somebody that was referred to as the senior or the elder, it was always important to be able to show uh, the others, the ropes, if you like. Local government did help me. Others also took that path. When people ask me, I, you know, what, how do you prepare yourself to be a member of parliament? Well, I said, serve your community, but local government does help. Uh, understanding the politics and understanding what's really, really important. It was also Parakura Horomia, the late Parakura Horomia, who always said to me, look, <laughs> and he calls everybody chief, but he always said to me, chief, when your people come, and there was, I think at the time, Asenati was coming through, um, Leau Asenati Taylor for New Zealand First. And he says, reach out, support your people as they come through, which I did, but you also have to be very careful. So I reached out not just to the Labour Party MPs, but to New Zealand First, as well as the Green and National, always being willing to look, happy to share anything that I might know, but also being cautious that you've got to allow others to find their own way. Are there any other particular things you've done while here in Parliament that you see as being your major achievements? I, th I think there's a number of things which I'm quite proud of. One was the significant investment into the Pacific budget. Now, as ministers, you claim you know, that you've been able to do those things. But obviously, I was able to do it because of the government and able to do it because of the support of the leader, Jacinda Ardern, as well as the Minister of Finance. He's the key man. You get on side with him and you're able to persuade him towards what you're trying to do. And, you know, we were able to achieve significantly with targeted funding towards the Ministry for Pacific Peoples and targeted funding being released into the Pacific community. I'd asked Treasury and the Ministry for Pacific Peoples, give me a, a, a platform of where things are. And they released in 2018, well, Minister of Finance and myself released in 2018, a, a report called the New Zealand Pacific Economy Report. And that New Zealand Pacific Economy Report basically says that Pacific Peoples contribute $8 billion to New Zealand's economy despite the inequities and despite the barriers. So my challenge to the Minister of Finance and to our government, imagine if we could um, address those inequities, remove those barriers, what kind of contribution Pacific peoples could then make. And as a consequence, we set out deliberately on the path to achieve Pacific well-being by setting um, goals around languages and culture, uh, economic prosperity, healthy, resilient Pacific families, and of course the focus on young Pacific peoples. And so, 
you know, we did a number of things, lifting opportunities for young Pacific peoples into the the Tutoloa program, essentially learning about science, technology, engineering, mathematics and arts. And that's been significant because you've got a growing Pacific youth population that this country is going to rely on, future workforce, future business. And so education is the key to unlocking that huge potential. That's already happening. I think the goal and the young people also told us that as young Pacific peoples who are New Zealand-born, language was still important to them, culture was still important to them. And I'm proud to say that as as the minister who presided over that work, this government invested significantly into Pacific languages and then releasing uh, the first all-of-government Pacific language strategy, where nine languages are being supported, and that now transitions into education and into the media. But I suppose um, another achievement, really, is the Dawn Raids apology and the way that that was done. Um, That's work, when we delivered the apology, that was just the beginning of a process, and that process will continue. At the moment, I understand that ministry is collecting stories now from the general public who were affected during that time, Mm. and, and those stories will make up a comprehensive history of what happened in the 1970s, 1976 area. What has happened lately, though? It's really dawn raids all over again. How could that still be happening? To me, I mean, I really said to the Ministry of of Immigration that they really lack cultural understanding. They've just stayed on course as they've always behaved. What they failed to recognise, the times have changed. What they've also failed to recognise is the importance of that apology and the way that we now must change our behaviour towards a group of people that were discriminated against. And they've got to learn that. And so it really now remains for immigration and the minister responsible to make sure that there's giving strong direction to them in terms of how to better behave in a new world climate where we look to the Pacific and acknowledge that the Pacific are part of our extended whānau of Aotearoa New Zealand. And looking at your career, you've done a stint in opposition and a stint in government. You probably have a good feeling for the, the you know, the shortness of the, the time frame that you're in government. Only so much can be done. I mean... Oh, look, uh, three years is, is a short time frame. And I think the only reason why I believe I was able to do quite a lot for the Pacific communities in that time frame was you worked hard with the officials and asked the officials, you know, to find ways of speeding up uh, processes without undermining the quality of the work. But three years is not a lot of time. I suppose my benefit was I spent nine years in opposition developing policy. Pacific language policy was one. Even climate change policy, looking at creating a new vision, working with Pacific communities across the Pacific region. So I had that opportunity uh, to do so. I think for any uh, person coming through, they should cherish the opportunity of being opposition. Um, and, and they should cherish the opportunity of just taking their time also and learning how the system works. Um, it, it helps if you understand the public sector. Um, and I've always said to those who have asked me, you know, 
where can they get the experience before coming in here? Um, they can work for MP. <laughs> um, they can spend some time in local government. A lot of politicians at the moment have spent time in offices of different MPs and different ministers. Has the place changed a lot in terms of the culture in the time that you've been here? I think there has been some change since my first arrival in 2008 to now. I think there's a lot more openness and a lot more accountability. But I think there's still a lot more that needs to change. The fact that you have a te reo Māori translation and sign language translation is a good thing. But now we need to start recognising the value of diversity of languages that other MPs bring and the way that we conduct and behave in the House is something that a lot of young people in particular point the finger and say, gosh, they're worse than us. (laughs) I think it has to recognise that this place here, in order for it to reflect the diversity of the population of Aotearoa New Zealand, it has to really look constantly at how to improve the support it gives to members. Change is happening around MPs being responsible for staff. In my time as a minister, what I recognised was the lack of support for seconded staff from government agencies into the minister's office. Um, and, And so those things need to change. And the change is happening, but what I'm saying is, more change needs to take place. Is there any advice you would give new MPs coming in or just your colleagues who are staying on? (laughs) Well, for those who are staying on, my advice would be (laughs) to remember what politics is all about. And I've always felt, you know, the highest calling for anybody is to serve your communities. And, you know, being a politician gives you that opportunity to, to serve your your community. The greatest opportunity is also to help those in need. And I think at the end of the day, all politics is local politics, and they've got to stay grounded and stay connected into the community. Otherwise, it's quite easy to lose sight of that when when you just confine yourself to the to the bubble here in Wellington. And it is a bubble, isn't it? You know, it's in a way, it's not real. Uh, this this place. Absolutely. I mean, the people are real. Um, but they've got to remember there's a world outside of here, you know. The fiefdom in itself has its ranking and its structures. And I'd always say to our Prime Minister, I've lived all my life in a ranking system. And as far as I'm concerned, there's the Prime Minister and the Minister of Finance. Everybody else is on equal par. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you go back, you've got to, uh, your family helps you you know, ground yourself. And and I think I've been fortunate that I've got my family always telling me off, <laughs> always telling me, you know, now it's your turn to wash the dishes. <laughs> um, so having good family support. I believe that I've been able to do the things I've been able to do as the Minister for Pacific in my short stint of five years because my family supported me. And I've been able to travel the country to perform my task as an MP, uh, a member of parliament, simply because my family supported me doing that. I think if if you don't have that right, it's very, very difficult to sort of being able to achieve what you want to do in, in this role. 
you're in your last couple of months now of Parliament. How does it feel? Um, I'm actually quite excited <laughs> um, about exiting and transitioning. That's the word I've been using. I've had the opportunity to get around and respond to the requests for farewells and have heard uh, expressions of love, expressions of support. And so I'm, I'm having the community sort of reflect back to me their support and f- their appreciation for my time that's being here. And it actually feels probably the greatest um, satisfaction is that people feel as if I've made a contribution. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm exiting on a high but I've really enjoyed my time here and my five terms. I actually came in as a list MP prior to my winning the election in 2008 for the seat of Mangere. So technically it's six terms, <laughs> you know, in the way that parliament works. But it's been more than 15 years, so really, really appreciate the time that I'm here. And I've always said, when the sun shines, and as it continues to shine, you do the work, and then you've got to move on and allow others the opportunity. The work never ends. What next for you? Uh, look, a lot of people have asked me, can I do this, can I do that? And I've said yes to everybody. <laughs> but I haven't seen anything <laughs> firmed up. So I suppose I'm going to be unemployed come October. <laughs> so, hint, hint. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, there's, you know, I go back to the community. And in the community, there are so many things that still we need to keep moving forward and advocating for. Um, I've been asked uh, whether I would support uh, relationships between Pacifica and, and Māori, and absolutely I've said I would. Um, others have asked me about, you know, would I be able to support relationships in the Pacific, uh, between the Pacific and our people and the Pacific and Australia, and I said absolutely. <laughs> and I suppose where I'm at is really um, being able to look forward to the end of my term, uh, 13th of October, take some time out for myself um, and then figure out, you know, where can I make the best contribution? That's the retiring Mangari MP, Alpito Williams-Sio. And you've been listening to The House, a programme made possible with funding from Parliament's Office of the Clerk. Tofa soifua.